The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Join alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Punt and Pass. I am at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 And head on over to puntandpass.com, the number one destination in the world of college football on the internet. It's got everything you need to stay up to date. It's got our YouTube page, everywhere the podcast is distributed, our picks, our merchandise, our blog. It'll be a great spot for you to keep your college football knowledge up to date as the season is over. Aaron, that's right. The 2020 season is in the books. Alabama crowned national champions last night after dismantling Ohio State. 52-24. to 24. What a season it's been. Let's break down this game you stay up? Did you watch it? Uh, I think you and I were pretty much on the same page here. Nobody was touching Alabama this season. Yeah, man. It was uh, it was an interesting start and and not a great start for Ohio State. Obviously, they were kind of, I wouldn't say limping into the game, but you know, Justin Fields is banged up. They're missing a couple guys on defense. And then Trey Sermon goes down there in, in their first possession, and he's out for the game. So you're like, all right, the game, as soon as Trey Sermon went out, because to me that was yeah. – that was my X factor for Ohio State to make it competitive is, hey, you got to be able to run the football. You got to dominate the clock. You got to keep the ball out of Alabama's hands. And, and that's the way you can make this a new 30-something point game for each team. Because if it was going to turn into a shootout of, of Ohio State having to compete drive for drive, uh, up-tempo with Alabama, it just wasn't going to happen. So as soon as you went down, I was like, damn, this game just got a little less interesting uh, going forward. But, I mean, they they – Valiant effort there through the first quarter, tied it up 7-7, but Alabama, man, that offense, Steve Sarkeesian is the man. Genius last night, very impressive. I, you know, once again, everyone's always saying, oh, he's all the talent, all the talent, all the talent, all the talent. Those dudes at times were running wide open. Yeah. Devontae Smith was wide open. Open. This dude won the Heisman. You know Ohio State. He won game. every award. He won every award. How do you how do you let that happen? Because because Sarkeesian schemes it up so well, man. The dude is a beast. He put a show on for everyone that had Texas as a, a possible landing spot as a recruit for the second signing day. They're watching that game, licking yeah. their chops. Like, damn, man, we're about to have him as our head coach. Like, look at that. Look how fun that offense is to be a part of. So, Steve Car- Steve Sarkeesian, first off, you're the man. Alabama offense, Mac Jones, you're the man. Najee, you're a beast. Devontae, 
Unbelievable. What you were able to do last night, yeah. just absolutely stupid. And for Ohio State defensively, how dumb can you be? I mean, they were just – I tweeted it last night. How much single high coverage I saw in that game and and just leaving their dudes on an island, whether it's a, a, a linebacker on Devontae with no help or cornerbacks with Devontae with no help. Like, the dude won the Heisman. Yeah. Like, give him some respect, man. Like, stop playing so much single high coverage. So awful, awful game plan for Ohio State, I thought, on both sides of the football, offense and defense. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I was kind of dumbfounded as well because Devontae Smith in the first half was getting the ball almost every play. And you're sitting there watching TV going, well, aren't you going to guard him? And then he gets that great 40-yard touchdown pass where they have a middle linebacker in coverage on Devontae Smith, and he just waltzes right past him. How great does throw from Mac Jones. not have help? Uh, you know, those all. are the things to me where it just goes to your point. Um, Ohio State on defense, I know they were trying a little bit of everything in the first half, but clearly – it was not working. Mac Jones, 36 of 45, 464 yards and five touchdowns, BCS and college football playoff championship records. Najee Harris, 22 carries for 79 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, seven catches for 79 yards again, one touchdown in the air. And Devontae Smith in the first half, 12 receptions, 215 yards and three touchdowns you mentioned it the star the sarkeesian game plan what he was able to dial up to get these guys out in the open simply put getting your playmakers the ball in space the pre-snap motions the orbit motions with the misdirections to get the linebackers in bad situations to get the slot dbs in bad situations and trusting Devontae to obviously catch the ball make a miss and go score touchdowns it was an offensive clinic Aaron tell me this go ahead I want to go when you talk about the, the getting those guys in space and open I want to give a little bit more love to Mac Jones too because oh, stud all those passes that he threw especially like some of those those bubbles you know when you know whether it's a, a two-man bubble three-man bubble faking the orbit motion like Devonta did on the touchdown and coming back out the ball placement on all those passes Just were perfect. absolutely perfect because it, you, you're taught you have to put it one foot in front of the numbers and catch it keep those guys running how many times do you watch College, even NFL, where teams are running the bubble concept. You got you got numbers, you got blockers, you throw the bubble, uh, where the ball is a little bit behind, the receiver has to stop, catch yeah. it, then has to kind of then regain momentum. And by that point, you got linebackers, you got safeties, and it's a you know, it's a tackle for loss or it's a one or two yard gain. Not one time did I see of any of those throws last night, any of the bubbles, the now routes, or those fake orbits, um, you know, for the touchdown. Everyone was perfectly thrown. Everyone. Yeah. Now, one time did the receiver have to stop, start. It was catch it in stride. Like the ball was literally handed to them as a running play. They caught it, boom, took it for positive yards and touchdowns at times. I mean, he's been doing that all season long. And I think that was so the biggest difference for me throughout the season when comparing him to Kyle Trask, comparing him to Justin Fields, really even Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones are very similar in the way that they throw the football. Trevor can probably make a longer throw, throw it with a little bit more velocity. But look at Justin Fields last night. I mean, I know he was banged up, but throwing the ball, far less accurate, not as good as touch. And, and Kyle Trask, yeah, you and I have been talking about that all season long. Okay, I want to mention one thing, though, a couple things, because we need to get to the Ohio State aspect of this game as well. This, of course, was Alabama's sixth national title since 2009. Nick Saban gets his seventh, surpassing Bear Bryant to become the all-time national champion winningest coach 
in college football history. I've been saying it since November. I think this is the greatest team ever. I think 2020 Alabama is better than 2019 LSU. We can talk about that in a little bit, but I want to ask you, because Mac Jones, clearly, I mean, you were tweeting about it last night, like, first-round pick, like, he's got it down to be an NFL quarterback. I want to kind of flip this on its head and say, Sarkeesian getting a ton of credit, as he should. Where do you think this does, what do you think this does for the prospects of Tua Tungavailoa in the NFL? Because you're sitting there going, man, it seems like any quarterback can go into this system, Aaron, and put up these insane numbers, especially when you have an embarrassment of riches like Jalen Waddle was back last night. I know very limited. Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, Mechie. I mean, there are dudes all over the field. So I guess my question is this. Yes, Mac Jones looks phenomenal. Yes, he's going to get drafted to go to the NFL. But when you look at somebody like Tua Tungabailoa in the NFL and he hasn't had that much success in Miami, are you sitting there going, I don't know, maybe a product of the system? No, I, and let's, let's, let's give two a break here. I mean, he's coming off a major injury yep. and he played half a season for goodness sakes. And he, he played for the first part of the season that he did play. He played pretty darn well, actually. So, you know, I know towards the end it wasn't great, um, but he's a rookie. He played only a handful of games. And, and like I said, coming off a, a pretty significant injury uh, during his last season in Alabama. So I, I, I don't want to write off Tua now. I mean, he's a young kid with a lot of football left ahead of him. Uh, we'll see what happens with this Dewan, you know, um, this Watson deal, and then does he go to Miami, and then does he go to no Houston? Way. I mean, I don't know, yeah. Sean. I mean, we'll, we'll see what all that happens. But anyways, regardless, I'm not writing off Tua just yet. I think he's a great talent, good arm. Um, I kind of like Mac more though. Obviously, yeah. Mac's a bigger kid. No, I agree. I uh, can take the pounding a little bit better than what Tua did. I mean, look at all the injuries Tua suffered in college. Um, banged up a little bit here and, and we'll see. Uh, but I, I, Max Armstrong's just as good. I think he's a little bit more accurate than Tua is. Um, I don't think it's a thing of the, obviously the talent around and Sarkeesian help, but let's not get that mixed up that it helps out significantly, uh, for goodness sakes. But when you watch Mac and you watch his pocket movement, when you watch where the ball is being placed and the accuracy, um, like I said, it's not like he's a, a 75% completion guy. And these balls, like I said, some of these passes are back shoulder and then they're off with the receivers having to catch and stop and slow down. Like he's literally putting it in a plus plus positions yeah. over and over and over and over again. That, that's not easy to do on air like routes on air. That's not easy. To I know. Do. Uh, yeah. I, and he's I mean, doing it in game situation. I just think his accuracy has proven to me that regardless of who the, the OC is or, or who the receivers are, this kid's just flat out good. Like he's just a good, accurate quarterback that has great pocket presence. And I know he's not super mobile. I know he's not crazy fast. Uh, and I know that's what a lot of NFL teams want nowadays. But, you know, like I said, he's he's savvy enough within the pocket where he can beat you there and you don't have to worry about it. I thought Fowler said something really interesting talking about when they met with Sarkeesian before the game. He said Sark loves that Mac Jones has fast eyes. And I think you can definitely see that when you're watching the game last night, how quickly he goes through the progressions, how quickly he notices who's in best position to get the ball, and then, of course, being able to deliver it with a ton of accuracy. ESPN wrote an article, and this is perfect. Devontae Smith was uncoverable. Najee Harris was unstoppable. And Mac Jones impeccable. 
I mean, it's the truth. Um, yep. Mac Jones said he thinks they're the, the best three team. Man, the three-man monster that uh, Herb Street kept showing over and over last night. ESPN's graphics are, I mean, even on Monday Night Football, it's like, who? I want to know what kind of substances those graphic designers are taking well, I, I before know, they I pitch all about the Nickelo- I know you're all about the Nickelodeon I the Nickelodeon. Stuff, so that was great. Like that. Um, and then, you know, Saban said it's the ultimate team. I cut up. What cut up? I, I, the, um, <laughs> the... The end zone slime machine oh, going on yeah. at Nickelodeon. It was fantastic. Saban, uh, Saban says this is the ultimate team. There is more togetherness on this team than almost any team we've ever had. They've had to overcome a lot and persevere through so much this season, and they've done it magnificently. I mean, you can't really argue with that. And again, he's yep. talking about all the COVID stuff. Uh, Alabama clearly, week to week, unstoppable, 11 straight SEC victories, ran rough shot over Notre Dame, and then, of course, did the same to Ohio State to be claimed national champion. Let's touch on Ohio State, okay, because you mentioned it. A little bit banged up. Justin Fields banged up. Some COVID issues. They were missing 13 players. Was this game going to be delayed? Hey, let me just say one thing. Every team has had to deal with that all season long. And this is the first time Ohio State had to deal with it. And coincidentally, unfortunately for them, it was before the national championship game. I was on a radio interview yesterday, and they were asking about Ohio State. Is it an advantage that they've only played seven games? And I said, hold on one second. They have only played consecutive weeks once all season long. Now, of course, they are banged up after a physical game against Clemson. Now, of course, they do have issues with a potential COVID outbreak on the roster. Every other team in America has had to deal with that all season long. That was what the sacrifice was for these student-athletes to get to the end of the season. And I think last night it was a celebration of the student-athletes, and I think Coach Saban said it very well also. It is a hat tip to them for their commitment to wanting to play football, something you and I said back in August. Why are we trying to play college football amid a global pandemic? Because people want to play football. It's as simple as that. And Cole Kubelik, your partner of at SEC Network, tweeted out, last night was the 567th game of this 2020 season. Amazing. I mean, just amazing from everybody, support staff, administrators, coaches, most importantly, student-athletes. So hat tip to them. It's always so much fun to talk about college football and punt and pass with you, Aaron, with our audience. So uh, I think it was a fitting ending to the to the season last yeah. night. I want to touch on one more thing about Ohio State, too. I know I'm kind of all over the place right now. We talked about it on the preview show on Thursday. How's Ohio State going to win? Trey Sermon was going to be a big deal. That's what you said. Trey Sermon, right? If you're going to slow the game down and try to keep the ball out of Alabama's hands, you're going to have to get Trey Sermon going out of the backfield in the past game and, of course, running the football and moving the chains. He goes down, looked like he hurt his collarbone AC joint. I hope he's okay. On the first drive, I was shocked to see them Keep the same game plan without Trey Sermon. You would have thought at that point, hey, let's blow this thing open, chuck the ball down the field. We got to get in a scoring match with these guys. I know Master Teague was the starting running back, but, man, I was scratching my head going, what the hell is Ohio State doing? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, the, 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 the teams that scored points in Alabama this year, Florida and Ole Miss, what did they do? They spread it out. And, and, and over and over again, you saw with Ohio State, you saw 12 personnel, so one back, two tight ends. Like, they tried to play – almost old school football versus Alabama, even going down the, you know, that fourth down call. I mean, why is Justin Fields under center? Put him in the gun, get a threat of an RPO or zone read where he yeah. can run the football instead of just trying to run it down the throat of Alabama. So I, I, 
I think they try to be a little bit on both sides of the football, offense and defense. They're like, hey, we're going to win the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's that's our thought of how we're going to beat Alabama. We're going to run the football. We're going to get in heavy personnel with more tight ends. And then defensively, we're going to put an extra safety in the box, stay in more base defense, and try to win it that way. Football's evolved, man. If you're going to want to win games nowadays, especially against teams like Alabama you this better year, go. you better go, <laughs> yeah. go, go. You better be able to score a ton and spread them out. That's what Florida did, and, and they scored a ton of points. That's what Ole Miss did. Up-tempo, spread you out, and throw the football. I mean, Olave was a non-existent yep. for most of that football game. Eight catches, 69 yards. Yep. That's nothing for him. Like, he needed to have a monster game. He needed to have a a, a Devontae Smith-type game. Double-digit catches, 150-plus yards. Like, that was the way that they were going to do it. Run it, play action pass, and then take some shots and and spread it out a little bit. Uh, Them just getting in the 12 personnel without Trey Sermon, your your stud back. What are they thinking? I just didn't get that at all. Once he went out, you got to mix it up a little bit. You got to throw it. You got to spread it out uh, and go from there. And then, like I said, defensively, mind blown, mind blown with with uh, the inability to mix it up on that side of the football. So for these guys to be paid that much money, and for those crappy game plans on both sides of the football was kind of embarrassing. If I'm Ohio State, honestly, uh, and I think Alabama was just laughing, just saying, "All right, you want to play old school football." Uh, that's fine with us. And, and you want to play single high coverage. That's more than fine with us because we will throw it all over the ballpark, uh, the entire football game. So I think Nick, you know, that goes back to, you know, we said at the beginning of the day or, or, or last week. And I said on a couple of shows as well, if you want to break down every, every group offense, Alabama defense, Alabama, special teams, Alabama coaching, Alabama yeah. coaching huge in that game. So big. The, the, so the play big. calls, from Sarkeesian and and just the overall game plan offense defense was just 10 times better than the plan that Ohio State came into that ball game with. I mean, we all knew what Ohio State was up against with Alabama's offense. Ohio State knew better than anybody. We talked about it on Thursday's podcast. Mac Jones, Davey O'Brien Award winner. Devontae Smith won literally every award that you possibly could. Najee Harris, Doug Walker, offensive line, Joe Moore, landed. They won every award possible. With that being said, it's the national championship game. You got to be prepared. Alabama put up 621 yards of offense against Ohio State. That is the second most allowed in school history for Ohio State in the national championship game. It's crazy. Justin Fields needed to have another perfect game like he did against Clemson. I think a lot of people kind of understood that was a lot to ask. He was 17 to 33 for 194 yards and a touchdown and added 67 yards rushing as well. So, Hey, it was an uphill battle to start. Alabama absolutely closed the door. They covered his first half favorites. I gave that out on our Bet Online All Access show. They covered his game favorites. Aaron, that closed at nine easily. I think they were up by 18 at half. They closed that yep. easily, four and a half to six and a half. But get this. Okay, we talk about gambling a lot. We talk about spreads, lines makers. This game closed for a total over under 76 points. I, I, I don't get how Vegas is so good at totals. It's absolutely unbelievable. Guess how many points were scored? 76, 76 points, right? So a lot of people before the game saw it at 75, 75 and a half. If you bet over, you won. But if you bet before the game, it was at 76. It's a push. It's absolutely 
mind-blowing how that works. But um, you wish for a more competitive game. I think that was asking a lot because everybody knew how good Bama was. Now you're going to start hearing expand the playoffs, expand the playoffs. I heard a great stat this morning, okay? 17 college football playoff games since its inception seven years ago have been won by Alabama, Ohio State, or Clemson, okay? Expand the playoffs, they say. I mean, fine, expand the playoffs, but I don't think that's necessarily going to change that, right? If Alabama played the number eight ranked team or got a bye and the sixth seed got through and played the sixth ranked team, they'd score 70 points against them. I don't know if that's going to change it, expand it, that's fine, but don't expect Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State just to go away. No, they're not going to go away. I think that the, the, the reason why I've slowly jumped on this expand the playoff is more for the recruiting part of things. Because if, if you're a kid who wants to play for a championship, and if you watch the playoffs, you want to commit to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Yep. If I'm a kid that lives in California, yep. why do I want to say in, in why do I want to play in the Pac-12? They don't they don't play in the playoffs. I, th- I just think you're you're really hurting some of these programs, especially the ones out west, because they 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 haven't been in, and now it doesn't look like they'll be in because all these kids are leaving. I mean, look at the quarterbacks for Clemson and Alabama for next year: five star kids from California that want to play for championships. And in their mind, they're like, hey, if I want to play for a championship, I better go to the Southeast. I better go to Clemson. I better go to the ACC. I better go to the SEC, or I go to Ohio State. So. I think if you want to make things eventually more even, start working towards that, I think expanding it will help because you're going to, like I said, it opens up recruiting a little bit more to these kids' minds saying, okay, I can stay home in California. I can stay home in Washington, Oregon, whatever it is, and still have a chance to play in the playoffs. Like I don't have to go across country to do it. So I think it levels that out. And then eventually those teams start getting some of those guys to stay home, better teams, a little bit more competitive. It's not going to happen overnight. It may take three, four, five years to get level when it comes to recruits, but at least I think it's going to get there. But if we continue down this path now, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State are going to be in it every single year forever. Like, it's just how are you going to knock them off? I, I, I told mean, how are you? I just yeah, don't see it happening. I, I agree with you. They're right? going to get the best recruits every single year. Yeah, and because have, kids want to play for championships. Yep, and they'll have a one-off, you know, like LSU last yeah. year. Um, you know, Ohio State in 2014. But these these schools are going to continue to recruit at a high level. The coaches are there. The facilities are there. The support is there. That's how college football works, people. So you would just hope it gets well, a little what, bit more what, competitive. Does I talked to Ryan McGee this morning, uh, who's who's on ESPN, and, and we had the similar discussion and. You know, he said another thing is, you know, the, those schools out west do need to invest more. Like you go out there and like, oh, do you see our new brand new, you know, $10 million facility, whatever. He's like, yeah, well, that's that's as nice as, you know, um, Kentucky's facility. Yeah, so that's that's not Alabama. That's no. not LSU. That's not Georgia. Like you got to They got They got to step up on a lot of fronts to keep those kids at home. Um, one got to be more competitive. They got to find a way in the playoffs. But two. You got to spend money, man. These kids want the 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 glamour. They want all the the cool stuff. And if you're not willing to spend the money, you ain't going to keep those kids in state. Hell yeah! Who doesn't want cool stuff? I want cool stuff. Everybody want wants cool stuff. Cool I want stuff. Georgia's new facility. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's... we had we had, a, we had a ten by forty indoor facility. I know. <laughs> we had a lunchroom what? as a facility. What? That was the worst. <laughs> Money ever invested in Georgia history. I yeah, think. yeah. I don't think new athletic director Josh Brooks would have okayed that if he was in that no. position because that, that wasn't was even McGarity. That was uh, Damon Evans. 
That was Evans. Yeah, I mean that was simply Thanks, put. Evans. It was you, you couldn't use it. It was called a multi-use oh. room, and, and we ate lunch in there. That's what we did, and had turf it, it, we couldn't even do full walkthroughs because you no. had to play curve down, so defense can get one side, offense can get the other. It's crazy. It's, we could throw slants and hitches. That was it. That was great. When it rained, that's what we got some really good work in at slants and hitches. <laughs> that's so. why you were so good at the slant and the hitch. That was Man, about that's it. funny. That Unreal. is that is funny. What'd you think about the tweet last night that was going viral once again? It was the old Devontae Smith tweet from um, 2016 saying, I am officially decommitting from the University of Georgia. Did you see that going around? No. Uh, I was like, um, yeah, that hurts a little bit. But again, probably like, man, we could have, all the fans are probably like, oh, we could have, we should have had Justin Fields and Devontae. Of and course. It's like, oh, should have, could have, would have, you know, just be happy with who you have and find a way to win with, with what's on the roster now. But, you know, I, I did see, I think you, you retweeted Joe Klatt has Georgia number yeah. one the next year. We're going to get Offensively, that. Yeah. But I'm a little worried about the secondary. I mean, holy smokes. Yeah. A lot of attrition there. Get, probably, secondary for the dogs. probably get a transfer. I would think let's touch on that in just a second. Cause I, it's a good segue to Georgia. I wanted to talk about this first. Is there some sort of vindication here for Kirby smart? Okay, and here's where I'm getting at that. With here's where I'm getting with that. Justin Fields last night, I mean, a non-factor against Alabama, a, a non-factor, and, and that is the hurdle that Kirby Smart has in front of him. He's done everything except beat Alabama, and if he would have beaten Alabama, he'd have a national championship right now, right? Gotten a rematch in the SEC championship game, wasn't able to close it. Got another rematch this past year. Of course, we all know how that went. In Tuscaloosa. So is this vindication for Kirby Smart about letting Justin Fields go when you look at what he's done with who he's had against Alabama in the past? And yes, this is loser's mentality. So you can go ahead and say that about me right now. But Stetson Bennett this past year, okay? Stetson Bennett, right? We love Stetson on this show. Georgia's fourth string quarterback heading into the season was beating Alabama at halftime. He ended that game with 269 yards. And two touchdowns. Those are better statistics than Justin Fields. Look at how good Jake Fromm played against Alabama in two goes. Yes, he didn't win those games, but he played pretty damn well against Alabama. And when you and I were at that SEC championship game in 2018, and you were on the sideline for CBS, and I text you and I go, holy cow, Jake is having an amazing game. He was carving up Alabama. He played better defense. than Tua did. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. everybody's saying, how could you let Fields walk? It's not like after that performance against Alabama, the next season, Kirby's going to go, okay, you're done. Justin Fields, here are the keys. So my question is this. With Fields' incompetence last night, because that's what I'll call it, and we all know how Alabama is, and Kirby's success at the quarterback position, albeit without a victory, with Stetson Bennett this past year and Jake Fromm in two goes, do you sit there and go, Hey, I don't know. I mean, look, Fields is great and everything, but all you have to do is beat Alabama, and clearly he wasn't cut out for that. No. Um, God, Drew, I just love you. I mean, that's just absolutely A-quality stuff right there. I think you need to form a tweet <laughs> and put that out there. For all Georgia fans who well, here, here have bitched here and moaned. From lost by three, okay, and then yeah. seven, right? So lost by three yeah. and seven to Alabama. Stetson lost by 17 this past year. Justin Fields just lost by 28 points. Yeah. Right. I mean, at Ohio State, can, can with we, can all we make that a, can, we, can can you please tweet that out soon and just say Justin Fields for all those who thought he was the answer was not the answer, yeah. and uh, now we can we can finally close that chapter in Georgia football history and yes. just move on. Yes. Um. 
Yeah, I love that. I have nothing more to say than that. That was a, just a quality reporting from you right there, Drew. Right. Uh, yeah, Justin was a non-factor, though. I think that's the first thing. And, and was he extremely healthy? No. But no one's extremely healthy, for goodness sakes. I mean, you know, uh, Waddle was out there hobbling around, for goodness sakes, trying to make plays. And 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 that's a whole nother story, too. I have no idea why he played that football game. I mean, it was yeah, – I, I turned the TV on at 7.45. Just to get a little bit of the preview show, like I was kind of exhausted of, of previewing the game. So I was like, oh, do you want to turn it on at 7? I was like, no, I'll turn it on when the game starts pretty much. But I turned it on as literally the teams were running into the locker room, and he's he's hobbling in there. Oh, I, was I like, know. What, what the hell is he doing? Like the kid looks like crap, and it's pregame for goodness sakes. Imagine when he gets hit, gets his first catch, which was a hell of a play by Mac and a great play by Waddle, and he's just hobbling to the sideline, gets out of bounds. I'm like, take his ass. He, he got a catch. He has a catch. He's contributed to a championship. We can say that. Now take his helmet yeah. and go hide from him. Yeah. Like he does not need to play another snap in this football game. And they kept putting him out there. He made a few catches. Um, luckily, nothing more serious happened. But every time he was on the field, my eyes went to him. And I'm just, I literally was praying. I'm not lying. I was praying every time he's on the field because he's a great kid. I'm like, please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. Please get hurt. And I know he was cleared and everything was good to go. But as you and I know, when one part of the body is not 100%, other parts of the body start to compensate. Yeah, And that's how other injuries happen. When he's, when he's favoring his left leg, his right leg has to take over, and that's when other injuries occur. That was what I was more concerned about than yeah. anything. That something else was going to go wrong and hinder his future. So, you know, I hope he feels good today. I'm happy if he is, really happy he is. But I thought that was so dumb on everyone's part that Jalen Waddle played that game. Like, you know, I just, Oh, I was scared as hell, man. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Uh, that was really kind of head scratching why he was allowed to do that. I, I get that he wanted to, but as a coach, you got to look out for your player. It was cool on the flip side to see Landon Dickerson get in there with a yeah, torn ACL snap the victory formation to end the game for Alabama. So yeah, um, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. But I, you know, I don't think Kirby would come out and say I have vindication. I think you can make that assessment. I just looked it up yeah. in that SEC championship game. Jake Fromm was twenty-five of thirty-nine for three hundred and one yards and three touchdowns last night. Justin Fields seventeen of thirty-three for one hundred ninety-four yards and one touchdown. So do with that what you will. All right, Aaron, yep. you mentioned it. The way too early top twenty-fives are coming out. I saw ESPN put theirs out this morning, but Joel Klatt. Fox Sports College football analyst tweeted out last night his way too early top 25 heading into the 2021 season. And number one are the Georgia Bulldogs. Your thoughts? They're definitely a top four team. There's no question about it. With what's returning on that offensive side of the football, uh, I'm a little bit concerned on the back end defensively, but, you know, they've done a great job recruiting. You know, they're up there, though. I mean, it's going to be. Them, Alabama, I, I really like what Oklahoma's bringing back next year, especially the way Spencer Rattler finished the season off. Yep. They're going to be up there. Um, I think those are, in my mind, as of right now, uh, and Clemson. So, once again, it's the same same old teams. You know, yeah, Alabama. Clats top Clemson. five is Georgia, Alabama two, Ohio, Oklahoma three, Ohio State four, Clemson five. Yeah, I mean, that's... Same old story, but, um, you know, those are the teams and, and a lot has to do with, you know, quarterbacks and, and, and potential of quarterbacks, you know, obviously Georgia and, and, and Ohio, uh, excuse me, Georgia and uh, Oklahoma have two guys coming back that finished the season off extremely strong. Uh, Clemson with DJ, 
uh, played in some games and looked pretty damn good. So I think there's a lot of excitement there at Clemson. Uh, and then Alabama is their five star and, and, and see what he can do as a full time starter. And, and we just know how good Alabama is. And he just can never keep them out of the top five or yeah. four. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, that all makes sense pretty much right there. So I would, um, you know, if I had to pick, I'm kind of torn. I, it's, it's hard not to put Alabama at one because of just what they've done every single year of being able to reload. And, uh, we'll see what their new, their new OC can do. And Bill, uh, Bill O'Brien. Wow. I don't know about that hire. I really don't, honestly. It's kind of a head scratcher. Not a super sexy hire, I think. But uh, obviously, I think he has a good relationship with Saban because of the uh, the tree and, and relationship between Alabama and the Patriots. Going back to Bill O'Brien's time there. Yeah. Um, don't love the hire, but we'll see what he can do. Obviously, he'll have tons of talent. And and for any offensive guy, you want to go Alabama because you know you got a bunch of studs and and just look what um, Sarkeesian just did. No doubt ESPN put their way to really top 25 out, and they have Clemson 1, Alabama 2, Oklahoma 3, Georgia 4, Ohio State 5. I think those are pretty much interchangeable at this point. You can yeah. put wherever anybody. You've got to see who starts, who transfers, injuries who leaves, during the spring, who, goes the who leaves, who goes to the draft. But think about this, too. Okay, Going back to Klatt's top 5, top 10. Okay, First week of the season next year, Georgia plays Clemson. In Charlotte, according to Klatt's top 10, that's number one versus number five. And Alabama plays Miami in Atlanta. According to Klatt, that's number two versus number eight. So we're going to get smacked in the face with great football. The issue is I I think that game would be a lot sexier if Derek King didn't just tear his ACL. So, you know, he should be healthy by then, but still it's not – you won't be 100-100% to make that thing a little bit more interesting. No doubt. No doubt. Going to be very interesting. You would think it's going to be a lot more normal heading into next season as well, God willing. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I got one more thing to touch on. Um, A lot of great news coming out of Athens for the Georgia Bulldogs. It seems like the motto next year is hashtag unfinished business. You have a ton of guys declaring that they are going to be coming back to school. Jamari Sawyer, probably one of the most notable. I mean, he certainly would have been a draft pick. Um, Leaders of this team are putting their hand back in the pile and saying, we're getting ready to go. I think that's kind of a rallying cry around JT Daniels, the, the belief and the trust that those guys have in him. I would hold off at the moment as saying JT is the clear cut starter for 2021. I'm really interested to see how Brock Vandergrift does throughout spring. Of course, he's already on campus now, how he competes for that starting job. But you saw the offensive line look pretty spotty in the Peach Bowl. JT Daniels throwing off his back foot a lot on the move. So I would be a little bit hesitant to say that's a done deal. I'm very glad he's coming back. Leads me to this point, okay? It's great when these guys announce that they're coming back because it builds excitement around the program, right? Recruits see it. Coaches see it. Most importantly, the fans see it. People go, oh, hell yeah, 2021 is going to be awesome for Georgia. One of our former teammates who's now a host at 680 The Fan, Hudson Mason, put a tweet out. Did you see this tweet last week? Uh Uh-uh. Okay. I saw it, and I reread it, and I was like, wait, what? Okay, so this was after Kiaris Jackson had come out and said he's coming back, which was great. I mean, Kiaris busted onto the scene this year. He became a real safety blanket for Stetson Bennett first and then continued that on with JT Daniels as he took over. And Hudson Mason got on Twitter and said, quote, we have officially reached a new low in the look-at-me social media culture. 
We have now projected undrafted free agents making social media announcements about their return for 2021. It only gets worse from here, folks. Saddle up. Now, okay, now, I had to reread that because I was like, what is he talking about? And I guess uh, uh, Kiaris Jackson and somebody else made a, uh, made a statement that they were going to return, and, and Hudson said, that's a look-at-me move on social media. Um, because I guess they were project, projected undrafted free agents. I mean, a couple things here that stand out. One, Hudson was undrafted free agent. So was I. I was an undrafted free agent as well in the NFL. And I have a lot of like old man takes. I kind of say, like, am I getting crusty? This is the cream of the crop right here. I mean, these guys are announcing that they're coming back to school. Surely fans think that there's a chance they might leave in their replies to this tweet. I mean, our boy Hudson got absolutely roasted, roasted over the calls. It's kind of unbelievable. I just don't know why you would tweet something like that because simply no. put, it's just drumming up excitement and guys are saying they're coming yeah, back I, to I think school. that's the biggest thing. I think it's just getting, I think it's just continuing to get fans and everyone excited about next season for goodness sakes. Um, you know, undrafted, uh, not drafted or, or drafted. And, and, um, in this sense, I just think it's more of, Hey, he's a good player. Yeah. He contributes to Georgia and we're all excited that he's coming back next year. So I, I, I'm perfectly fine with the tweet from, from, from Kiaris. I think it's fine. Um, I understand where Hudson's coming from. Like, yes, we all know you weren't going to leave really deep down inside, but it's still nice to see that guys are committed to the program, that they're excited about the 2021 season. So I'm all for guys tweeting about, Hey, we're coming back. We're excited. Let's, let's get the work, man. Let's go out there and make this year a special year. I mean, and, and look at Alabama this year, those guys, no opt outs. Uh, a couple of guys that could have gone pro last year that decided to come back this season and, and really say, Hey, we're going to put the team over me. And, and look what happened. They had one hell of a year, won a bunch of individual awards and, and won yeah. the championship game and won the national championship. So, you know, I'm not saying maybe Georgia has that type of talent. Well, it's still TBD. We'll see what these guys look like heading into you know next season. But um, yeah, it, it's exciting stuff. And I think there's nothing wrong with continuing to build excitement because as we all know, it's all about social media. It's all about yeah, the, of course. And the glam and yeah. the excitement and, and the rah-rah. And uh, these kids want to be a part of it. And 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 all get the, get that train moving in the right direction is all i got to say. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, Kieris could very well be deemed the most improved player on Georgia in 2020. I mean, he had touchdowns, yeah. over 500 receiving yards, I think three or four he touchdowns He was the main catching. guy, like you said. He was, yeah. I mean, he was his dude for, for multiple games. This ain't the backup punter making a statement on social media saying, I'm coming back to school. I mean, this guy makes a difference in the outcome of ball games. so I was all for it. Um, and Hudson, my man, let's lighten up a little bit. I mean... Go dogs! It's it's okay to say go dogs, brother. So it's going to be exciting, and a lot of excitement is already there, especially with these way too early top twenty five. So, man, I hope we have a regular off season, Aaron. I hope these guys get to go home a little bit. School starts next week, I believe, or later on this week, and then of I think course, they need to get away from football. Yeah, get you away from football. Reset, I mean, seriously, away. these kids like don't even go to the facility for a couple weeks. No training, no film. Like, go try to be somewhat uh, a normal student for a little bit yeah. just get it's been one hell of a season for everyone everyone needs to hit the reset button and then uh you know pick it up in february maybe and get things going again with training yeah yeah no doubt so hopefully um spring practice will be here sooner than you know it look the masters is three months away dude we got 
some normalcy coming back in 2021. But I am just so thankful that this college football season ended up happening. Again, hat tip to everybody who made it possible, especially the student athletes. Um, I want to give a shout out to our great partners throughout this season. Of course, Prize Picks was unbelievable. Head on over to PrizePicks.com, download the Prize Picks app, use the promo code PUNT. Uh, Logan Hitton over at Ameris Bank Mortgage. Logan was a great partner as well, and Christopher Bowers from Bowers Insurance Group. Everybody who makes Punt and Pass happen, and you, the listeners, of course, it's unbelievable. We'll keep this thing going. I'll do some interviews. Aaron, I'll text you, see if you want to fire it up. You can catch Aaron yeah, daily. Yeah, some NFL stuff going. We can do uh, the draft. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. Anything on the way out, my man? No. Um, Going to go uh, try to work at my golf swing now that the football season is over. With. I, I just got it. ready every day, so I got a little bit more time on my hands, and Goal is to beat Drew Butler by 2022, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's a long, a long That's runway a there. Lofty goal. I set my goals really high. I'm not trying to, not trying to, you know, be okay. average here. I want to be, I want to be Drew Butler golf good. I like that. I like that. Well, I can help you there. I can certainly help you there. All right. That does it for us. Be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass. I'm at Drew Butler. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11. Head on over to puntandpass.com and we will talk to you later on. See you.